we turn our attention again to the book of Peter. And we look in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 17. We've gone over this last week. And you will remember as we read through them what Peter was telling these people. He says, and if you call on the Father in verse 17, he says, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourself throughout the time of your stay here in fear. We looked at this last week and we saw that he judges partiality. He's not, he's without partiality and he judges each one according to his own works. The things that you do is what God is looking at. When you're going to appear before Him, He's not going to say to you, well said, faithful servant. What is He going to say? Well done. The things you do, and I just want to clarify it, when He talks about the works, He talks about the works after the cross. Because every work you do before the cross, before you come to the cross of Christ, is works in own effort, and it will mean nothing for you in eternity. If you are a lost soul, if you are not born again, anything that happens before the cross counts for nothing. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians, it's like filthy rags. Do you know what filthy rags is? It is absolutely nothing. This, you can't use him. It's useless. And this is what he says. Now you say, wait a minute, but I was, I've had a good heart. My parents had good hearts. I walk past a beggar on the street and I give him some money. I walk past him and I go into McDonald's and buy them a Big Mac. That surely counts for something. And you know what? If you want that to count for you for eternity, it counts for nothing. Although it is a nice thing to do. So when we talk about works, it's after the cross. So you've come to the cross of Christ, you've bowed your knee, you humbled yourself, He saves your soul from here on until you die. The works that you do is the works that He's talking about. And He says you will be judged according to these works. And then He says conduct yourself throughout the time of your stay here. Glenn, can you just pull this just slightly down again? Thank you, brother. He says, conduct yourself for your stay without fear. And now we continue a little bit further on. In verse 18, he says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition of your fathers. You are not redeemed by those things, he says. And then he continues to say, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish, without spot. Now I want to talk to you today about this word, redeemed. Redeemed. Such a powerful word in our gospel. And the fact is, the word redeemed to us is only a theological term. We don't understand this word properly like they understood it back in the day. It's different. Uh, it's got a different meaning to the people in the first century in the Roman Empire. Because in the Roman Empire, they were still slaves. They were people who belonged to somebody else. They had a master. 
And if you go around to these people and you mention the word redeemed to them, it will mean something to them. It will give them hope. Because you've got to understand, my dear friend, we, growing up in a Western society, had freedom all around us. We grew up with our parents. They gave us everything. We could do what we want to do. We can move we want to move. We've got our own ideas, minds. We can do everything. But if you were a slave in the first century, you had nothing. And this is, this is the thing for these people. And if they hear the word redeem, it means something to them. It means, the word means to be released on the receipt of a ransom. So it means that somebody had to come and pay a price for you. In fact, some of these slaves were caught and made slaves, and others were bored and made slaves. And everything, you belong to your master. If he says left, you say left. If he, if he says right, you say right. If he says jump, you jump. If you don't, there's penalties for you. There's circum, there, there's, uh, you know, you're going to be punished for that. Now, for a slave, you could, own, you could purchase your own freedom back in the day. You had to work really hard as a slave and put your money aside and once you put enough money aside, you go to your master and there's a price upon your head. And once you pay that money, then you could be free. So you work so hard and you put it all away. And you think there's going to come a day when I'm going to have enough money. Can you understand how they work towards that day to be redeemed by their own money? Just to come to that day and the master says... You walk up to the master and you take out the money and you say, Master, today is the day. And you put the money on the counter and you say, Look at it, every single cent of it. I've, I've worked for my redemption price. There is it, I'm going to pay it for myself. And the master looks at you and he says, Yeah, the price just went up a few bits. What do you do? What do you do? Because if you escape and you run away, they can kill you. They can grab you and throw you into the Colosseum for animals. They can beat you. They can whip you. They can do whatever they want to do to you because you are their property. Now, nobody here sitting here today can say in the same breath that we've experienced that, can we? Or a master could come and buy them for a price and set them free. That would be a good-hearted master, wouldn't it be? If somebody comes to you and they say, I want to buy all your slaves, and once they buy all your slaves, they set them free. You see, redemption was a very special thing. When he wrote about redemption, these people would know in their minds. In fact, in the church in the first century, there were a lot of slaves. Onesimus is one of those. You remember the letter of Onesimus? When, when it was written and he said that the slave who was running away, stealing his master's money, was sent back by Paul to his master. And he says, forgive him. So this is different for us. We grow up in the Western society. And we've got freedom all around us. Must I say this morning, dear friends, while we sit here in freedom, there is still countries today who's got slave labor. Today. How privileged are you? How privileged are you? You need to wake up every single morning and thank God that he, he raised you in the environment. You say, oh, but you didn't grow up where I grew up. It was so terrible. It was so harsh. But look at you now. You've turned out well, didn't you? 
Look at you. You've got all made for you. Oh, but there's a struggle day to day, but it's still all made for you. There's no master over you. You can still make your own calls. In fact, where you are sitting today is because of the decisions you've made yesterday. You've made those decisions. I've decided I want to leave South Africa and go to New Zealand. I've decided I want to leave New Zealand and come here to Australia. Of course, you know, I'm a man of faith and I prayed and God directed it. But what if I decided I want to go and it's a slave master and says, you go nowhere until I say you go. The redemption was a very special thing in biblical times. You see, the key to understand the word redemption is you had to be a slave to understand how precious redemption is. You had to be a slave for somebody to come to buy you free. To put the money on the table. And you look at the guy who put the money, the man who put the money on the table, and they buy you and say, you know, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to buy this. I'm going to buy you, and then you can go. You're free to do whatever you do. What's the first thing that grabs hold of you? Guilt. Why me? Why are you so good to me? And then your mind starts playing games on you. It's a different circumstance for us. We live here in the Western society. You see, a slave, like I said, had nothing. They didn't have their own time. There was a guy sitting away, just kicking back. I'm so tired. You know, my legs are so sore. I worked so hard for the master. And now it's time for me just to kick back and relax. And just as you sit back and you put your hand out to take a glass of water, you hear the bell rings. What happens? You need to react. You need to jump up. You can't shout out from where you are and say, Master, I'm just busy, can you wait? You can't do that. Slaves didn't have their own time. They constantly had to work for the Master. Or maybe there you were, sleeping, lying in your bed, and it's in the middle of the night, and all of a sudden the bell rings, and you had to wake up to go and do something for the Master. You can't lay there and say, Hey, dude, I'm just too tired now. No, if you do that tomorrow, you might be whipped for that, for being disobedient. They had no time for their own. And also they had no possession. Think of that. It's no thing that you can collect possessions for yourself. The clothes they wore belonged to the master. The shoes belonged to the master. Everything belonged to the master. He owns them. Every single thing, their rights, they had no rights. Think of that. You have to, when you read the Bible and you see these words like redemption, for us, we talk about it and and we get theologians who, who make big, you know, they talk about this word redemption, but we need to bring it down to make it feel to us. How does it feel on the body when we talk about this? And now you're sitting here this morning and you say, so what? So what? I'm sitting here. You just mentioned it, preacher. I'm free. You just said it. I, I haven't got a slave master over me. So what does redemption mean to me different from those people? I'm not a slave. I can do what I want. I go where I want. I buy what I want. I collect more than I have to. If time is my time. If you call me up and say, can you do this thing for me? I can say, no, mate. It's on, on your own. I've, I've got my own time. So what? How does it apply to us? Oh, but you see, there's something more. Oh, my brother and sister, there is a weight, a heavy weight that was placed onto the shoulder of mankind back in Genesis. 
I want to tack a little bit away from the physical slavery. I want to take you now into the Bible in Romans chapter 6 verse 16. Listen to Paul when he writes this. He says, do you not know? Oh, come on, you need to know this. Do you not know that whom you present yourself slaves to obey? He says, you and I, we can present ourselves to somebody and become their slaves out of our free will. You choose to become somebody's slave. You see, there's a freedom that you apply now to become a bondage. Listen, there's a freedom of choice that you apply now to become a bondage upon your shoulders. How does it work? Let's see how he says it. He says there in verse 16, he says, You are that one's slaves whom you obey. That is so true, isn't it? Think about that. Oh, come on. Where is your time spent? What do you spend most of your time on? What is the one thing that you can't walk away from? It is a bad habit, you say, but I want to say to you, it's not a bad habit. It's a choice. And you become that thing slave. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. He says it there again, I repeat his words. You are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. There's one of two choices he gives you and me now. He says you can become a slave of sin or you can become a slave of righteousness, of obedience. So sin leads to what? To death. The Bible says the wages of sin. What is a wage? It's that thing that you get for what? For your time. Come on, I work for a company. What am I? I'm, I'm giving them. I'm giving them my time. Every, during the week, every morning I wake up and what I do? I get in my car, I make myself addressable and I go to my company who I work for. What do I give them? They know, they're not saying, look, we want your body, man. We want your clothes. No, they want my time. They want me to sit behind a computer and work. And what do they give me for that time? A wage. They give me a paycheck. And I love that paycheck, don't I? Because I buy some stuff that I love. And I buy food to feed this body just to become strong enough to give what again? Time to them. And that is what I say. That is what Paul says. The one to whom you obey, he becomes your master. And if sin is your master, listen to me now, it will take your time. And you haven't got your own time anymore. Because sin will drive you like a, a penny master. Sin will grab your time and he will use your time against you. And he will use your time and rob it from you because you spend so much time in your sin. And you know what it will lead to? It will lead to death. That's what he says. Or you can obey obedience. Obedience to whom? To Christ. Can you see now there's a different kind of slavery here? It's not a physical slavery, although it plays itself in the physical. I mean, if you make yourself a slave to drugs... Will it kill you? It takes everything from you. It takes your mind. I mean, there is a terrible drug in the world right now called ice, isn't it? 
And what is ice doing? It's a terrible thing. It changes your mind. It, it occupies you. It becomes your master. And you're not your own. You can say, oh, man, let me just take, I don't know. Oh, I'm free. Oh, I'm flying all over the world. But you're not free. You're not free. It's a delusion. This is what sin do. It gives you a delusion. It fogs your mind. And you can't see properly and clearly. Now, brother and sister, let's have a look at this. You see, he uses the word slaves here, yes? It comes from the Greek word doulos. And it means to, de- to be devoted to another to the disregard of oneself's own interest. That is what a doulos is. So what is Paul saying now? He's saying to you and me, if we choose to conduct ourselves into sin, you know what you do? You yourself devote yourself to another at your own interest disregard your own interest you give him everything oh we can be slaves of somebody can't we paul says i am a bond servant of whom of the lord jesus christ so you can be of obedience leading to righteousness you can now he goes continues on look at romans chapter 3 verse 10 he says as it is written there is none righteous None righteous, not one. There is none who understand. There is none who seeks after God. Is this our world? Oh, you know it's our world. I may say shockingly there's some churches who don't seek after God anymore. But there's not, the world's not seeking after God. And I want you to think when you came to Christ how you got to this place in your life. Were you growing up? Were you seeking after God continually? No, there came a phase in your life when you by choice went after a different master. It was sin. No, no. He says here there is none who seeks after God. They all have turned aside. They've all together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, not one. You say, but what, what about me? I did good. Paul says what the Old Testament says. There is none. In fact, that is uh, uh, King David's words. He says, all have turned aside since you were born. Because you might sit here this morning and say, yes, I'm not a slave of sin. It's everybody else. It's not me. That verse says, no, it's not so. Everybody, every single person has turned aside. And there's no one who seeks after God. That's the nature Because in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, Paul says again, For all, everybody say all. What does all mean? Oh, it's a heavy theological word, isn't it? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So if you have sinned, my dear friend, what does it mean? You became a slave of what? You became a slave of what? Of sin. All have sinned and have fall short of the glory of God. Paul is is, is actually direct about this as to we are slaves to sin. We were born in that nature. In the book of Titus, he writes to Titus the same thing. He says, for we ourselves were also once foolish. Who can say that you were foolish once? I mean, I can tell you a lot of foolish things that I've done. We, Paul writes, you you see, Paul didn't say you. There's a lot of people who they want to point the finger, don't they? They want to say, you were foolish. No, no, he says, we also, he counts himself into that, once were foolish, disobedient, 
deceived, uh, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. That's terrible. Come on, you think about those things. We all have done that at some stage. There's nobody who can sit here and say, no, no, none of those apply to me. The picture I'm giving you, my dear friends, is when we think about the word redeemed and slaves, yes, there was a physical nature to that back in the day, but this applies to you and myself. You are either a slave of sin or you're a slave of of obedience today. And he says now that we all fell into one of those categories. In in Mark chapter 8, Jesus says these words. He says, when he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Let him deny himself. That's a big thing to do, to deny yourself. You know what you do when you deny yourself? You give yourself over to somebody as a slave. That's what you do, either to obedience or to sin. And then he goes on to say in verse 34, 35, he says, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What will it profit you? You come in here and you say, man, I've gained the whole world. I'm on top of the world. But he says Jesus in his own words and he loses his soul. And then he says these words, or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Now let me ask you that question. Think about it. What will you sitting here today give in exchange for your soul? What can you give? What have you got to offer? If you stand before God, if He looks you in the eyes this morning and you come before Him and He says, on what ground are you standing in front of me? What have you got to offer as exchange for your soul or eternal damnation? What can you put down? Oh, you can actually call my pastor and give me a good reference. Some people will even say, how, much, how big is a check? I'll give you a check. You fill in the number. Friend, this is a serious question. This is a question we need to ask more so in the church today. You need to work this out yourself. You need to look yourself. Listen, listen to me. You need to go home. You need to close everything, all the noise around you. You need to look yourself into the mirror and you need to repeat these words of Jesus to yourself. You need to say to yourself in that mirror, or what will I give as an exchange for my soul? What will you give? What have you got to offer? David says that we were born in sin. So all I could offer is my works then. Oh Lord, look at all of the good things I've done. I jumped over the fence and helped the old lady wash her car, Lord. I once take out the rubbish bins for my wife, Lord. I thought that was a chore anyway, but let's just put it in there. I gave the dogs food, Lord. I thought that was a chore as well, but let's also put that in there. You've got to build a CV, a curriculum vita for yourself to be able to stand before God and to say, I am acceptable. What is it you're going to put on that piece of paper? 
Let me challenge you. Go this afternoon and sit down and take an A4 piece of paper and write all of the things down that you can give to God as exchange for your soul. Write them all down. Oh, I gave those people, I saw they struggled, Lord, and I had money and I went over there and I gave them, Lord, listen to this, listen, listen, Lord, I gave them a full thousand dollars. Thousand dollars, Lord. Put it on your CV. This is a serious question. What have you got to offer? Taskmaster, slave come before him. He says, Master, I'm getting old now. My legs are paining, my body is aching. I've worked for you for 40 years. Whenever you rang that bell, I was there. Please, Master, I want to go. Let me go. I want freedom. And the Master says to him, what can you give me? What can you give me that I'll let you go? But Master, surely I've worked for you for 40 years. I polished your shoes, I washed your clothes, I gave you food, I combed your hair, I vacuumed the carpet, I massaged your feet, I brushed your teeth. I cleaned up behind you. I did all of these, surely. And look, look, look. There's these few pennies. Not good enough. Work another ten years. Friend, what have you got? If you come before the master of all, what are you going to tell him? Oh Lord, I went to Karam Downs. I was in church every Sunday, Lord. Oh Lord, I've been a Christian for 40 years. I've been serving you for 40 years. For 40 years standing up every morning. For 40 years on my knees. Look at the calluses on my knees. Look at the calluses on my hands. I prayed. I did this. I went out. I, I went out on missionary trips. I gave. I do. I, 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 I. And you put it on your CV before him. And you know what? It's not good enough. But Lord, what do you measure it against? In my word, there is something called the law. Do you know the law? Ten Commandments? In this 40 years that you served me, did you tell one lie? Did you? Oh Lord, maybe, you know, when the master called me, I was a little bit lazy. Did you take something? The Bible says nobody is righteous. Come on. You who says this to me, there was a preacher one day preaching to you. And he said to you the words that my servant David said. He said that all went astray as soon as they were born telling lies. So this is my measurement to you then. It's not the next man's CV that you're better than that person. That's how we work, isn't it? If you apply for a job, it's whose CV looks the best. It's not like that in God's kingdom. He says, that's the law. If you want to put a piece of paper in front of me telling me about all the good things you've done, measure it up against my law. And the Bible says, brother and sister, you and I will fail. There was only one, only one who could manage to uphold the whole law. Who is he? 
that's it. Can you see our calamity in this morning? I don't want to hear how good you were. I'm not good. I'm not good. If you think, but wait a minute, you're a preacher. You preach for 25 years now. You've been called to ministry. You know, all I'm going to do is I'm going to put my CV next to yours and mine's going to say preacher. And you know what? He's going to judge me harder than he judges you. Because the Bible says he's judging those who preach the word harder. So like you, I've got nothing to stand on. Then Isaiah says it's like filthy rags. What if? How offended are you going to be if you stand before God one day and you say how good a Christian you were, better than everybody else, and he writes over your piece of paper, filthy rags. Are you going to be like throwing a tantrum right in front of God? I won't have that. You can't. Friend, let me come back to the question. What will you give as an exchange for your soul? I don't want to hear whether you tell me I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. The Roman Catholics also say they are Christians. People who are born in South Africa say they are Christians because it's a Christian country. No longer, but they were. People born in the Bible Belt of America say they are Christians. That, I mean, in your CV, Lord, look at the top line there. It says Christian, not Islam or Muslim or Mormon or it says Christian. It surely, surely it counts for something. Friend, let me tell you, by then you will be sobbing with tears when you realize before him when it's too late that your works counted for nothing. What will you give us in exchange? You see, the key here for us to understand the word redemption or redeem is you had to be a slave to sin to understand our precious redemption is. I don't want you to open up your Bible after this Sunday and read the word redemption and go, yeah, redeemed. No, you need to understand how powerful it is. A slave had nothing. You, if you're a slave of sin, has got nothing. In fact, we are nothing before God. We are nothing. This is why he says, and I'm, this is where the good news comes in now, because you, you turn to me this morning and you say, well, pastor, I've got, or preacher, I've got no answer to this now. You've taken all my answers away. You've, 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 you've nullified my base. You've, oh, you know, I just feel useless and hopeless. And I say, good. It's a good place for you and for me to be in a place of, of hopelessness before God. Not before this world. If you're hopeless in this world, it's your own fault. Because God has got His opportunities for you. He's got the cross. He's done it all for you. But if you are hopeless before God, that's a good place to be. That's when you realize, listen to me, listen to me. I come back to my, my previous point. You listen. You have to understand sin before you can understand redemption. I'm not talking about making an altar call and people come out and say, just say this two-minute prayer after me. Lord, I repent. Lord, I repent. My sins, my sins. And then they go, you, you know what I'm talking about. And then people stand up and they say, you are saved, you are now there, friend. If they don't have a grasp of their sin, they've got nothing. Nothing. 
If you don't understand what sin is through the eyes of God, you and I are lost for eternity. We are going, we, we, we will be surprised. You go, I'm on my way to heaven because I said a two-minute prayer. It means nothing if you don't understand sin. You have to be serious. You have to see how God sees sin. And my Bible says He hates sin. So what if you bring your CV to him before you stand uh, and and he says, wait a minute, let's look at all of these other things you've done, which is sin and I hate sin. I'm redeemed. Now he comes now, Peter, he says to these people, he says, knowing. He says, I want you to live in fear while you're on this earth. And then he says to them, knowing this. That you were not redeemed. You understand the word redeemed now? Redeemed means that in your darkest hour when you're a slave, you've, I've just explained to you right now, there is no ways that you've got the means to collect enough collateral to put before God to buy yourself free from uh, damnation, from eternity without God. Nothing. And if you still believe that, my friend, I'm praying for you with all of my deepest in my heart. Now that I've shown you that picture that you can't do it on your own, and you know that's only one who can do it for you, and that's Jesus Christ. How good is that? Paul comes to them now, Peter comes to them now, he says, knowing now that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, like silver or gold from aimless conduct received from you. See, he touches two things which I've already talked to you about. The two things he touches is corruptible things. You see that? That is our possessions. That's your possessions. You are not redeemed by your possessions. And I thank God for that. Praise God. Praise God. That means the man who might not own a home one day. You see, the biggest thing these days is everybody's got to buy, buy, buy a home. I'm not against it. If God blesses you, buy a home. But don't use that as any stage of a status symbol. It's only a blessing from God. That's all it is. You are privileged and fortunate for God to bless you. But those possessions, my dear friends, means nothing. You are saving up so for your old day. Let me just give you reality. This is a factual thing that I'm telling you now. You're putting away for your old age. Nothing wrong with that. Don't you turn around and say this preacher is against it. And you work so hard and you build your house and you're in your 50s and you're just in the prime. I'm going to enjoy it now. And something happened with your health. And somebody's got to feed you. Somebody's got to look after you. Where's all that gone? Or something happens to you and you pass away. Who's going to spend it? Your children will. They will spend it. They won't have the same effect on that that you've put together like, and with the passion you've done. Friends, I just want to give you this picture this morning. He says it here. You were not redeemed. On your, if, if this question is asked, what will you give in exchange for your soul? Your possessions won't do it for you, the corruptible things. You see, even gold and silver corrupt. They corrupt. If you leave it around, they corrupt. They erode. And then he says the second thing, they're traditions from the fathers. You were not. You were not redeemed. He uses the word negative with corruptible things or the traditions of fathers. This is your efforts. If you think back in the day when you applied to them, they came out. These people came out of their, their um, uh, 
uh, a tradition with Israel and with all of the things they had to do around the temple and they felt good, it made you feel good. You go to the temple, you bow, you pray, you do all things, you give your little animal to the priest, he kills it on your behalf. It's all efforts, it's things we do. And he says those things count for nothing. It didn't happen that way. You see, if we think about the corruptible things, the Bible is clear about it. We find this account of, of Simon the sorcerer in Acts chapter 8, verse 19, when he saw the works of God in the Holy Spirit. He says, let me take out my checkbook. What did Peter say to him? Peter said, your money go with you. You can't buy God's things. And our best works, Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6, he says, but we all like our clean thing, and all our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. So it is a really dire picture I've painted you today, isn't it? But there is good news. We are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And this is what he says. Look at this now. He says, you were not... You were not redeemed. You would you know the price that paid was for you was not your money or silver or somebody paid this for you or the works you've done. He says, but what does but mean? Big theological word, isn't it? Sharp contrast. But with the precious blood of Christ. Somebody shout hallelujah. Amen. The blood of Christ. Who would have thought? Who would have thought it is the blood of Christ? Look at it. He says, you were purchased. You were redeemed. You were set free. You were liberated. Fill it in whatever you want to say. With what? With the precious blood of Jesus. That is precious, isn't it? My blood, dear friend, I can take my blood out. I can put it in a little bag. How long will it last? I think it's two weeks. Two weeks before they have to use it. Somebody's in an accident and they've got this little blood, the blood there and they take it and they put it in an IV and, and, and my blood can help you, but it can't save you. You say, oh, it saves you that you don't die. No, no, it can't save you. It can't set you free from your sin. But this blood can. The precious blood of Jesus Christ, hallelujah, is the one. Oh, there's power in the blood. There's power in the blood. There is power in the blood of Jesus Christ. There is power in the blood. What power is there, preacher? What? There is power to save your soul. You are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, hallelujah. He set you free. He redeemed you. He paid your price so that you don't have to pay it. Oh dear slave, look at me, don't sit there with a down face and say there's nothing, it's all lost, it's all dead. No, let, let me tell you dear slave, you have got hope, the name is Jesus Christ and it is His precious blood that will save you. Oh the world don't want to hear this, the world will walk around you and say gory blood, listen to that crazy fool going on, he must be on something, yes I am, I am on the Holy Spirit of God. The precious blood of Christ. Now I love it when he says it. He says, As of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You see, this points towards the Israel sacrificial system. The lamb and without blemish and without spot. I painted you a picture before that nothing that you do is good enough. 
Now I'm giving you the lamb. Hallelujah. And now the word of God says it's without blemish. That is why when this lamb was born, he came to this earth, he lived amongst us. He lived with us and he fulfilled the law. He didn't get rid of the law. God allowed sinful mankind to approach him by means of these sacrifices back in the day. And sin takes a life. That's what it said, you remember? If you become a slave to sin, it leads to what? Death. That's what it said. So sin takes a life. Remember Adam and Eve? When they, when they sinned, what happened? They took fig leaves, didn't they? Prickly fig leaves. Have you tried to make clothes with fig leaves? Go and try. Do try. <laughs> Put it on. See how it, it, it's just your skin, you know. It's, yeah, it's not nice. You see, that's what man do. Everything we do to cover ourselves is not nice. It's sticky. It's prickly. It's everything. What happened? God gave them tunics. Where did the tunics come from? Did God say, let there be tunics? Where is it in the Bible? No, no. An animal had to die so that the, the, the tunic of the animal had to cover them. But if you take the, the tunic, if you take the skin of an animal, what comes out? Blood. Yeah. Blood comes out. That's not a big surprise. If you break my skin open, what's going to come out? Blood. You see, this points towards that sacrificial system they had. Sin takes a life. An animal had to die. But life is in the blood. Life is in the blood. So if we talk about the precious blood of Christ, if we want that blood, what had to happen? His skin had to be broken, yes? What came out when his skin was broken? Blood. I love it. I love the Word of God. John says this, John the Baptist, the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and he said what? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away, what? The sin of the world. The, redeem, the redemption. The Redeemer. Can you see why we sang those songs today? This is what Christ did. I'll finish. He says, without blemish and without spot. In the Old Testament, this is Old Testament terms for acceptable animals. It had to be without blemish and without spot. And here it shows how Christ was sinless because He was the Lamb of God. Now, I just want to give you a few things which this redemption gives us. And then we'll pray and eat and go home. What have we gained through this redemption? Have you thought about it? What have we gained? First of all, eternal life. Who wants eternal life? Ah, I don't know. I love life here so much, man. It's cool, man. I've got a cool geek that I've worked out for myself, man. Hey, dude, I love this geek. I'm telling you, brother and sister, the life after this life, you ain't seen anything yet. We talk about a man by the name of Paul. He writes, he says, I know of a man speaking of himself in the third person. Get that one. He wasn't bragging. He says, I know of a man who was caught up into the third heaven. By the way, if there's somebody telling you there's seven or nine heavens, that's rubbish. There's three heavens. The heavens which you see there with the clouds, the nice blue sky, the heavens where, they, where the planets live and all the stars, and then the third heaven where God is. 
The Bible talks in the Old Testament about the mountain of God. Have you heard that? That's the third heaven. He says, I know of a man who was caught up poo, into the third heaven. And what did he say? I saw the gates of heaven and the gates of hell and I walked there and Jesus took me by the hand. Did he say that? No, no. He says the things that he saw was inexpressible. He can't even tell us what it is. How wonderful is that? Yet today they sell books about people as I was for five minutes dead and they can tell you all of these stories. Jesus took me and I saw the golden streets and I saw this and all of And you know what I say? Rubbish. You know, I, it's their testimony. I won't say whatever they say, but I stand on what the Word of God says. And what did He say? Inexpressible. He gives us eternal life, friends. Revelation chapter 5, 9, He says, And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. For you were slain and have, listen now, listen now, don't miss this, and have redeemed us and has redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe, tongue, and people, and nation. Have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. Eternal life. This life is going like a fleeting. Who knows that? Have you noticed that? I mean, I don't know where my 40s went. I'm in my 50s and somebody say before long you're going to be 60. And if you put the handbrake on, you're going to hit 70. And when you put your foot onto another brake, it's going to be 80. And I know there's a few people in the room before me and I can just say yes or, or just have a cool smile. I still feel as if, you know, I look at Richard and Vader, they've got a baby. I feel as if I'm still there. It felt like yesterday. Not only that, He gave us forgiveness of sin. How wonderful is this? Ephesians 1 verse 7, In Him we have what? Don't miss this, redemption. Our Bible is written full of redemption. And it's the word that not a lot of people preach about. Through what? His blood again. The forgiveness of sin according to the riches of His grave. What have we gained out? Righteousness. What does righteousness mean? To live a life acceptable to God. Romans 5.17 For if by one man's offense death reigned throughout the one, must, uh, much more those who receive abundance of grace in the gift of righteousness will reign in the life through one Jesus Christ. Not only that, He gave us freedom from the law of curse. The law. Galatians 3.13 Christ has redeemed, there's the word again, as from the curse of the law. What else? He gave us an adoption into the family of God. This is what it all means. Galatians 4.5 To redeem those who were under the law that they might receive the adoptions of son. You became part of the family of God. And then finally, what else? The deliverance from the sin of bondage. No more bondage, Titus 2.14. For who gave himself for us that we might redeem us. There's our word again. From every lawless deed and purify himself, his own special people, zealous for the good works. There's two more. Just hang on. Peace with God. He gave us peace with God through redemption. John 14.27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And then finally, brother and sister, what did you get through this redemption? The indwelling of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6.19 Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you have not on your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. You are bought at a price. Now I want to answer your question to you. If you stand in front of that mirror this afternoon and you say, what shall I give? 
as a price for my soul? There's only one answer. Only one. I'm, I'm cheating here. I'm giving you the answer. I gave you the exam. I'm giving you the answer. But it's not as easy as that. When you look yourself in the eyes in that mirror, you say, it is the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's not all you say. I want you to look yourself in your own eyes and say, and I am washed with that blood. If you can't say that and know what you mean, then you seriously need to hit your knees and start crying out to God. Because it's a difference when you say it and when you do it. Are you with me? Oh, I can understand these people now. These physical slaves. And these people who were sitting there, if they sing the song, Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Telling you one thing today, if you were really a slave, if you understand the sin, you will sing this song differently. Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through His infinite mercy. His child and forever I am. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, His child and forever I am. I tell you, if you take a slave and you bind them free, they'll sing that song different. Oh, they'll sing it different, man. They'll sing it with a, with a hop in their step. And I'm not starting a new hopping movement in our church. But they'll go, redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And, and people will say, you're off no there. You don't sing in key. They say, I don't care. I don't care. Because I am redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Let me give you one more verse. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 20. This is where he continues on. He says, He indeed, this is this redemption of ours. The Redeemer was for, be, foreordained before the foundation of the world. This makes him special. But was manifest in his last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead, and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. <laughs> 